0: Salam and welcome to our podcast Muslims on Fire Stories from ordinary Muslims doing extraordinary things With your host Maruf Dear listener Based on many requests from our listeners, we are launching a Muslims on Fire Academy. It's for those who want to do more than just listening. It's for those who not only want to be inspired, but to be one of the Muslims on Fire as well. It's for those who want to discover their purpose in life, follow their dreams, and live in prosperity. If this is you, join us for a journey of a lifetime. The introduction course is free. Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com
1: Hey, assalamu alaikum. This is Maruf, your host. Welcome to the show, Muslims on Fire. I have uh, today fired up brother. We have been meaning to do this for a while. We were scheduled a couple of times, but finally it's happening. And without further ado, let me invite my friend Yusuf Chattery. Salam Yusuf. welcome to the show, bro.
2: As-salam wa as warahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you for having me, Aki. I'm so excited. It's a pleasure.
1: So you're gonna, we're gonna Yusuf the podcast. Yusuf-y. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> for sure, <laughs> Okay. Okay, bro. So you know you know how it goes, right? We just try to get to know you better. And some of the questions will be new for me as well. So I'm okay. so excited, Bismillah. So tell us how it all started. You know, about your childhood, what you remember. And what do you think makes you who you are today from those memories, you know? Go ahead. Okay.
2: Wow. Okay. So the, get ready, everybody, because this is going to be a very boring story.
1: Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so about my childhood. So I was, I'm originally from Bangladesh. Okay. But uh, I was born and raised in Mecca. Wow.
1: Out of all places in Mecca.
2: Yes. I was such born a blessed, in Mecca. Such a
1: blessed childhood.
2: Alhamdulillah. And I went to Saudi school. So when when people look at me, they can't differentiate whether I was a Bengali or a Saudi because you <laughs> know, I dress like them, smell like them. Unfortunately, like sometimes I probably. behave like them. Yes, talk like them too. So, so my dad, speak. Allah Arhamu, mm-hmm. instead of like how typically other folks from Bangladesh, they usually, or from Pakistan or, or the subcontinent, they usually send their kids to their embassy and whatnot. But my dad never did that. He did send okay. it to the Saudi school. And, okay. um so it's it's a strange life because the first time when I went to the the first grade, okay, uh, I never knew how to, of course, speak the Arabic language, and I think I, I believe I was six when I went to the elementary. Okay, mm-hmm. so one of the you know how you talk about memories, some memories you're uh-huh. never gonna you're gonna like forget them. So one of the first memories in that school is that the the teacher didn't understand that I wasn't understanding what he's saying. Okay. Okay. So there was some lot of miscommunication to a point that that one of his punishment was that he punished me by putting me in a room, locking uh-huh. me in a room, full of old, uh, you know, like uh, tables and you know shelves and whatnot, all half broken, with a couple of rats here and there, and okay. he locked me up in that room probably the whole day. <laughs>
1: okay. Wow
2: and i could see my i want because we stood in an apartment i can see my 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 family's apartment from the school <laughs> there's a window
1: mm-hmm.
2: so i was like wow it was so painful i mean i never in my life i cried so much i'm like why is this teacher is doing this to me right I see. Uh, so because of that i had to figure out how to speak and how to talk and whatnot. so that was my first experience and i never never liked the school from from that wow. time
1: in Such fact every stuff. time
2: yeah, every time I go to school, I either cry or I run away from the school
1: or something like that. So <laughs> that was, Not that a good start. Not a good start. Not right? a good so, start. No, no. You see, everything, you know, the story, story is already getting interesting. But before just, we just go a little bit back, I just want to understand. Look, your parents are from Bangladesh, right? right. A- and how you guys end up in Mecca, out of all places. I think that's an interesting point.
2: Excellent question. Well, my dad actually lived in Saudi Arabia for more than like probably 50 years. Okay. Uh, he was in Saudi a long time ago. He worked in a hospital, oh,
1: and Abelie, I believe was it a Abelie. doctor?
2: Well, you see, this is the confusion. <laughs> this is a little confusion of my life because in the passport, well, it's funny because my dad he had the the Pakistani passport before the 1970s, you know, the 1971, right? Mm-hmm. Before the, the, the split. Split, and, yeah. Yeah, but then he also has the Bangladeshi passport. So in the passport, it says he's a compounder. I don't know what does that mean. But compound what them. I remember, maybe yeah,
1: compound but, stuff. I don't know.
2: <laughs> what I remember from my dad visiting because I used to hang out. with My dad, uh, he used to take us to the hospital at his work when we, me and my uh, my younger brother. We actually in the family eight brothers and one sister. Okay. Whoa. So I'm number five. Are
1: you, the, you are number five. Wow. Number yeah, five. of nowhere.
2: Yeah, I'm number <laughs> five, and and actually we became third brother also I passed away later on. Nice That's man. gonna come later in the story. But when he used to take us, he has his own office, right? This huge office, has his own desk with all these, the, the tools of the, you know, you know, like surgeries and cutting hands and mm-hmm. whatnot. And I used to see him that sometime, again, another memory, a father came with a girl and the girl had this, uh, her hand was burnt or something like that, mm-hmm. right? So, and they have, they, what, what the father did of this girl is that he put like a, a toothpaste to cool the, the burning uh-huh. uh, stuff, and my dad just grabbed it real quick and used this some sort of silver water and golden water. It looks like a golden yellow water. Right? Okay. <laughs> it's like some sort of chemicals to clean it and wrap it up very fast. And the the wars on the street that everyone at the hospital loved my dad. He was like a, he was like an alpha badass, if I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because he was like the like the imam for them. Like he did the salah, but he was also like you know. Because uh, he used to hang out with a lot of, you know, old school Saudis. Wow. So you talk like a gangster, right? Wow, okay. So so he has so much respect. But when it comes to patient, he was very, uh, like, so kind with the patient. Like, he has a skill that the patient doesn't feel the pain. Wow. He Haleem,
1: right? It. Like, like very soft, in a way.
2: Yeah, even though he's, like, rough. But when it comes to the patient, you can see that. And, and there was a time that I saw him actually performing, like, a, some sort of, a, like, a minor surgery on somebody. Like, you know, cutting their... They're part of the body and sewing and stuff like that. So that's what my dad used to do. So I'm not sure if that's considered a high type of, I don't know, nurse nowadays. But that that was his okay. his job at the hospital. So so that was you know, okay. what, so, I, what so, I, I... I see. So your,
1: your father yeah. used to work in Saudi. That's how you end up in Saudi, in Mecca especially. Right. I mean, tell me this. You know, as Muslims, I mean, every Muslim, we, we kind of yearn to go to Hajj, to Mecca. Yes. And somehow... I mean, out of all places your, your childhood is spent in my case, some kind of blessed city in a blessed memory. Like did you like growing up did you feel that did you feel that attachment, anything else? Or you were just you boy just growing up in a city? What was it? <laughs>
2: I'm glad I'm glad you asked that question because it's it's a mix. Okay. Because in one hand, when you're used to the haram every day, mm-hmm. when you're used to that, that environment, you become to so it. you become just normal. Okay. Right, and you're gonna appreciate it from somebody from outside. I later on I understood the value mm-hmm. when something happened in '95,
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? Because when I was born, I was I, I was born exactly by a place called Shobeika, which is like right in front of the Haram.
1: Masha'allah,
2: right there. <laughs> okay. In fact, do you remember in the history where an incident happened in Saudi Arabia called Jihman, who actually attacked the Haram? Oh yeah, Shere yeah, yeah. He I heard, about it. Okay, my brothers and my dad was inside. <laughs>
1: Whoa, really?
2: Yes, and they were telling me stories like how they jump from the second floor and stuff like that. They went inside. Crazy story. But this is, alhamdulillah, where all all of us were born at that place. Then later on, my dad moved us to another fancy area in Mecca called Mm Al-Aziziyah. So this is like the nice area. And uh, I went to elementary, intermediate and high school in that area.
1: Wow. That's how the story start that's interesting so you end up like at home i guess you guys speak ben- it's called bengali is it correct bangladesh or yeah
2: yeah and here's the funny thing about our house because you know my dad he two his two of his favorite shows wrestling mm-hmm. and bollywood <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay so when it comes to wrestling hulk hogging ultimate warrior and all these guys and you can see my dad is yelling and shouting at the screen okay. and my eldest brother thinks that he's yelling at him <laughs> And, of course, the Bollywood. So, somehow, my dad spoke Arabi, uh-huh. right? We spoke spoke Arabic and Urdu. I see. And my mom spoke spoke Urdu and Bangla. But the Bangla she spoke was the chagonian dialect. I see. So, sometimes she'll speak to us in Urdu and Bangla, and we we'll respond in Arabic. It's weird. I see. I see. So, we can't just speak Arabic, <laughs> But Urdu, that was a combination. But my dad always, like, you know, it's like a Saudi. If you just look at him, it's like this... A Saudi gangster. I see. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how that was a dynamic at home, especially with when you have uh, like two. My eldest brother, like Badr and Bashir, they got their own thing going on. Abdul and Ali got their own thing going on. Me and Ismail, our we are the troublemakers. I'm the black sheep in the family. I'm the most troublemakers in the family. Okay. 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 Then <laughs> my sister Asma, the most spoiled one. You know, we spoiled her because she's the only Girl. You know, the daughter yep. in the family, yep. right? Yep. Then later on, my two younger brothers Ahmed, came into the scene.
1: <laughs> I see. Right?
2: But, but, but I'm the one that uh, caused a lot of havoc. <laughs> I <see.
1: laughs> in
2: The family in terms of like, you know, just a troublemaker inside the house and outside the house. And our lifestyle was mostly Alhamdulillah. One of the beauty of Makkah is that the massages are everywhere. Yeah. Right. Every block, there's a masjid. So when we go to school, school we start at seven. 7, 7. In the morning? Wow, then, that's too early. In the morning, yeah. We just walk. We never drove to the school. We actually walk. Uh, the, the, the first school is right by our house. Mm-hmm. It's like less than five minute walk. The intermediate school will take like 15 minutes. And the high school, 15 minutes walk. But we walk to the school. We'll come home like by noon. This is when the school is done. Mm-hmm. And after that, uh, this is where the, the, the hot weather from 10 to 2 is very hot. Mm-hmm. After that, time comes in. Me and my brother, my friend, will hang out at the masjid. At also time play soccer when we play all day long till the Esha time so sure. and we come home like maybe 10 at night or nine so that's our daily activities
1: got it got it <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah so somehow like you, you mentioned that you didn't you didn't you, it wasn't a good start at school and and and, and how did you went down from then? did it ever kind of get better along the way or that was along the way
2: well along the way not really <laughs> for the, for the, for the 6 years elementary school mm-hmm. you have 3 years intermediate and 3 years uh, high school things were okay but uh, alhamdulillah in the in the elementary school and in the, t- the intermediate and high school there were some amazing teachers that I really loved so mm-hmm. very awesome that's what kept me going <laughs> what was the, the what was the subject of that teacher
1: a tafsir it was a tafsir oh, teacher tafsir, okay.
2: and uh, tariq, which is history yeah. yeah and also fiqh uh, you know the uh, solar fiqh uh, and so
1: the Bible teacher. I mean, that's, yeah. let me ask you. So, in Micah, we are talking about like we're talking as, a, as an ordinary school, but in, in, like that's a normal school. Or is an Islamic school? Excellent question. Well, Saudi has four
2: kinds of a schools. Okay. Okay. The first one, the government, mm-hmm. right, which I went to. Mm-hmm. The second one, it's government, but it's called Ta'lim al-Qur'an. That means it's everything that the government curriculum plus emphasizing on the memorization of the Quran. Okay. Okay. And the third one is still government but it's called al Madrasa al-islamiyya which is mainly islamic okay. so if i study hadith 500 pages in my regular school the islamic school will probably they will probably learn 2,000 pages of the hadith for example so they're more extended right then you have the private school uh-huh. so that's how it's set up i
1: went to the saudi government uh, so, so it was supposed to be the easiest one but you guys are still learning tafsir and Fiqh. it's amazing oh uh- Everything. One of the things I, I say, alhamdulillah,
2: unfortunately, things are changing right now. Uh-huh. Back in the day, you know, in the 80s, like when we studied, you have no option to pick a subject. They will give you the subject. Uh-huh. So from the first grade till high school, all the religious texts will never a- end it. So if, if we start a, a, a class in elementary, we're going to finish in high school to Al-Baqarah. Wow. So it's, it's, a con- it's a continuous process. So every year you go to different grade, there's a continuation. Wow. Okay, so this is, and I thank Allah for that so much because otherwise I wouldn't know the Islamic text, the Arabic language, how to do my own research and learn it, do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So when it comes to the the, the whole curriculum, for example, in religion, we have five subjects, the Quran, the Hadith, Fiqh, Tafsir, and Tajweed, right? And of course in science, you know, biology, physics, math, Mm -hmm you know all the other all the other stuff and of course in uh, social science like you know library and sport and whatnot so we were bombarded with so much stuff to learn Wow! <laughs> right not just that part i see right that's why i do consider back in the if you go back in the 80s and, and later before i mean alhamdulillah i think allah so much that i and, and i pray to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless my dad because alhamdulillah he put us mm. In a Saudi school, because now we understand the deen much better. I see. makes sense?
1: Amazing.
2: Not saying that they're perfect, but at least I'm so grateful to Allah for that. I but see. nowadays, when I went back this year, looked at some of the curriculum, <laughs> subhanAllah, they changed. I mean, the stuff that I was taught, they don't teach anymore. I see. You know, so.
1: It's more like particular right now, or?
2: In a way, they are removing some of the concept because in my days, we used to, we used to, like the teacher were openly discussing things that they're not going to discuss about nowadays. For example, we were taught that you know Islam is a system, uh, the, the the democracy and secularism, al-Mani and capitalism, these are all man made and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, you're not going to hear that, mm. right? So these are some of the good experiences. The bad experience in the school is that there were sometimes teachers stuff even in the deen, And as soon as you
1: ask
2: a question, they used to tell you, don't ask questions. Like, for example, the question they used to tell me, that means don't ask questions because that question can lead to doubt, and that can lead to kufr. As soon as they start to say that, I got scared. Yeah. But I used to ask, but I used to ask a lot of questions. I remember one day (laughs) one teacher used to say that the music is haram or pictures, haram. And I tell him, but we have this megastar store outside, and we have this King Fahd, mm. you know, picture on the reality and he slap in the face because I, because I mentioned the King Fahd, mm. <laughs> you know. So those are the bad experiences. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, yes. But I got most of, yeah. But I got most of my knowledge from when, again, thanks to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, then my dad, Allah Arhamo. he put us in uh, Tafheed al-Quran at the Haram Sharif when we were young. I went to the Haram Sharif to. Memorize the Quran for like two years. Wait, wait, wait.
1: Time, so you mean Haram Sharif? You mean that? You mean that? You mean the Haram itself? Like you? Al-Maq, yes, Al-Haram al Sharif, Al-Maq. Yeah, the holy mosque. The holy mosque. You went there to study Quran from, from someone? So yeah, there's a
2: lot of teachers. They
1: teach Ta'rif al-Quran. in the sense,
2: it's not the Haram. In fact, most masajid have teacher to, to help you memorize the Quran. Cool. Oh. In Makkah, right? I, I get, nowadays, I don't know. But in my time, the masajid was full of kids and stuff, right? So we used to go, because my brothers went to the Haram, and my third brother, Allah Arhamu, he actually memorized the whole Qur'an. Okay, so my dad sent us, of course as was a filmmaker, so we went for two years. And the beautiful thing at that time, on the first floor of the Haram al-Sharif, there were so many scholars that used to sit and surrounded by students or common folk, right? So you sit and you ask questions and learn. Those are the scholars that I loved and respected the most because, I mean, as a young kid, I mean, I can ask anything and they treat you with kindness and they, they actually make you ask. They encourage you mm-hmm. and they also give you resources, right? So actually, alhamdulillah, <laughs> I learned about the dean from them as well, and not just from school. So,
1: school, you know, school, some, what you're saying is school, this school teacher you give example, was much more like a rigid, like, don't ask questions, I'm telling you, it's the truth, just accept it or not. <laughs> and, correct. And compared and, to this, and, uh, compared to the scholars, yeah. let's like say, hey, it's okay, ask questions. And then let's, yeah. Go ahead. Correct. Correct. And that ju- just, the, because
2: because in school, not all of it, because some teachers, mashallah, like my tafsir teacher was amazing, mm. right? I mean, there's some, I guess sometimes it depends on the, the person who's teaching. Mm, so of there course. There there's some, alhamdulillah, Teachers and the dean that were amazing. I loved them. I still remember them till this day because the way they teach, the way they make you feel important, versus some that don't. And the reason I mentioned that horrible experience because that spirit stuck with me. I mean, when somebody slapped in the face in front of the student because you asked, mm. I don't even you're gonna forget that. Sure. <laughs> you know, I should move on, but that thing is stuck in my head. Sure. But when the, when I when I met an awesome teacher, then of course that changed my behavior. Absolutely. You know what? Not everything is bad. No. Right. I, I don't want to generalize everything. No. So.
1: No. I mean, absolutely. That kind of type of behavior comes from those. Uh, either fear, because they they think they don't know enough, yeah. and they cannot resp- respond to you. And you know, it's it's nothing to Islam. Yeah. I think it's much more than knowledge. I guess much more. Data... Anyway, yeah. that's interesting. So let's imagine. So you kind of finishing up school. So did you end up studying at the college or university in Saudi as well?
2: Nope. What happened in '95? My dad, Allah Arhamou, had a stroke. Oh, okay. And that yeah, basically it was the point in life that that a lot of things changed. Okay. <laughs> One the thing I didn't mention is that from my, from my younger childhood, that the discrimination and racism was like everywhere. If you are a non Saudi, they're always gonna look down on you.
1: That is even.
2: E- yes, not just that, even going to school wasn't easy because for my dad to make us enter the elementary or the intermediate or the high school, he knows friends, hmm. we call the wasta. So if you have a connection, whether it's uh, somebody who in the higher up or somebody rich, whatever, that can, you know, put some more for you, for then you. that's how you're gonna get in, uh-huh. Badge for yes. That's how it was every year. And I, and I saw that in fact, in my intermediate school, because I used to be very good in art, I think I still am. <laughs> so uh-huh. one of my awesome art teacher was very supportive of me. Like he used to tell me go to these clubs and improve and whatnot. So when the time came for people to win the award.
0: Childhood Questions are sponsored by Ali Huda Ali Huda is a video-on-demand streaming platform for Muslim children where they can watch cartoons and shows while learning about Islam the fun way If you are a Muslim parent, this will be one of your best investments Visit www.alihuda.com for a 7-day free trial Now back to the show
2: So, I think I was selected the third, something like that, mm-hmm. from that particular school. Mother said, Talha, that was, Mother said, Asima, Al Mutawasata, that's an intermediate school. And he, he, inv- he, it's sad because I can see him, he's also sad. Like he calls me during lunch, hey, you know, you did great, but unfortunately, they passed the reward for somebody else because you're not Saudi. Wow. And I thought the teacher, what's the point of me going to school when you're not going to give me the reward because I'm Ajnabi?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And actually, until this, I remember that I was actually not, uh, what I did to my teacher was not cool because I was mad. Mm. And I, I was so pissed that I had to throw the art at him. Just, but you I'm were, to, well, you were of,
1: telling the truth, right?
2: Yeah, I just, and oh, he just couldn't do anything. He was like, you calm down. I'm like, it is not fair. Like, we study hard. Most of the genitals actually do very well. <laughs> mm. Okay. And this discrimination is just getting out of hand. In fact, most of my friends from from the neighborhood, from the school, most of them were non-Saudi. Like, you know, Egyptian, Yemeni, Sudani, you know, Bengali, Pakistani. You know, Yusuf, yeah.
1: like, you're telling me a story that it just reminds me that, like, Prophet Sallallahu came to find racism, right? Like, in his time, yeah, like, if you're yeah. looking. But, unfortunately, like, I don't want to generalize, but, but you're not the first one that telling the story. Unfortunately, that in Saudi and in Arab countries, that's still the case. Somehow, the, they look at people who are non-Arab, Somehow, at a lower case, not everybody, but but it's enough to say, like it is kind of practice. Unfortunately, like especially the nation that brought us the Prophet Sallam, right? So it seems like right. they are not getting the lesson. Unfortunately, I mean, it just makes me sad. Don't don't you, don't you say so?
2: Well, yeah, but you see, I'm speaking from experience because, and I want to be very fair because there were amazing people from Saudi Arabia too.
1: Mm. Of
2: course, you know, for example, yeah, they are. I mean, I mean, I'm not going to deny those. I mean, like I said, I'm I'm very grateful to Allah that I was born there, studied there, and I I was surrounded by amazing teachers, amazing people. They are, of course, but when the society norm, like, like even the people that are good people, right, Mm. they see it, they say it's wrong, but they can't do anything about it. Mm. You know what I mean? And what what can they do, right? There are some ulama that spoke against that. In fact, the funny thing. That in the, the Saudi channel number one, after before every adhan, they always have a hadith or an ayah that shows them on the TV,
1: right? Mm-hmm.
2: And one of the most popular hadiths is about لا فرق بين العربيين والعجمين إلا right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no difference between uh, non-Arab and Arabic except for Taqwa. That's a popular hadith. We see it on the TV every day. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it is ironic, but I think sometimes there are some mashallah, good good Muslimin there but i think the government system by nature is
1: discriminatory wow that's exactly right? what because i'm talking for about, example, about the system not only individual yeah. people you know there are always good people bad right. day, but when it comes to this of thing course. that's the unfortunate case of course
2: of course and i honestly I think i know i'm gonna say a few things that might be controversial i'm not getting in trouble but i don't care because i only feel a lot <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is i also think that like if i relate myself going way back in the 90s and 80s and backward i think people in saudi this is not out of arrogance. I think people in Saudi have more knowledge when it comes to the deen than other countries. Mm. I'm saying this because I've met many Muslims from different parts of the world mm. and the basic of the deen, they have no clue.
1: Mm.
2: So I'm like, wow, I mean, this is kind of interesting and ironic, because on one hand, <laughs> you, know, you have this place that even the Saudi itself. I mean, I tell a lot of some of my Saudi friends, why do you call yourself Saudi? Because Saudi means the family of Al Saud. Saud, right? And, and uh, we have to admit, because historically this country was established by the help of the British. Sure. It wasn't done Islamically. So the, if the foundation is not Islamic, everything else is going to fall. You know what I mean? And uh, I see this, and of course I going not get in trouble, but I don't care, <laughs> <laughs> Right? So that's how the Saudi came uh, to see, 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 you know. Uh, see. And now we have ulama, may Allah, Allah protect the ulama salihin that are in jail. But then you have ulama, I call them ulama salatin, those who just, you know, work for the... You know, for the kings and whatnot, nice. you know what I mean? So, so when you go to places like Medina or even other Muslim countries, because, you know, people don't, don't study the psychospeakal agreement. If you study the psychospeakal agreement, you can see exactly how the ummah were divided and for a reason, you know, by the enemies of Islam. But nobody look into this stuff. <laughs> So Can you repeat what if you just said? Did, what did you say? Yeah, if a Muslim just go and study the psycho Pico agreement Oh, okay, okay You know, okay. the British
1: Yes, yes, yes Yeah, yes.
2: you you will find that the whole agenda is not to make the Muslim unite under one leadership, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why we have all these divided so-called countries mm-hmm. When Muhammad said that, you know, Asabiya or Qabaliya is not, you know, it's worse than the stink And now we have Muslims that are so super mm-hmm. And we're not supposed to be like that, mm-hmm. right? But that is the main problem if you talk about it historically and politically that's the main problem see, so when the foundation is not based on the correct understanding everything else we're going to go through all this problems in the world the Muslims are suffering there'll be no solution for them until the Ummah unite under one uh, unite under one authority and that's that's something clear from the from the hadith but again sometimes they teach you like a fairy tale <laughs> right? when they teach you the Sirah, the, the the story of our nabi wasalam, and the sahaba they don't teach you, or nowadays nobody teach you from practical point of view. We teach you, oh, it's like a fairy tale, something happened in the past, and that, mm. that's it. You know what I mean? But the racism situation, unfortunately, even when I when I went back after twenty years, like this year, I'm like Subhanallah. After all this year, people still stuck in the same <laughs> same ideas, I right? See. It's not it's not easy for you to find a job because you're Ajnabi. Oh, you cannot do this because you're Ajnabi. I'm like really.
1: I see. You know? I see. So, so so that's exactly. I mean, you said, fortunately, May Allah mercy on him. Your, your father died. I mean, and then that kind of, it was a turning point for you. So it d- did mean that you kind of moved away from Mecca to another place or what happened?
2: Well, this, this what I'm glad you mentioned this. What happened? When my dad got sick, got a stroke in 95, mm-hmm. he was half paralyzed. Okay. 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 So, so he couldn't work anymore at the government hospital. Mm-hmm. So what we did, we have to transfer the kafala because when you, when you live in Saudi, you have to have something called sponsorship kafala, mm-hmm. right? The, 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 the Ministry of Health was my dad's kafil. So we have to transfer it to one of his best friends, Makifar Farash, Allah Arhamad, that's his name, one of my dad's mm-hmm. closest friends. So we transferred to him so my dad can stay and we'll take care of him. Oh, I see. And Alhamdulillah, we did, but SubhanAllah, at the end of 95 or close to 96, the immigration, Somebody, like, like a, if I remember when I was young, I was like a Polish 17 or 18. When the immigration, for some reason, called my family, my, my eldest brother, Badr, got the information and, and they asked for my dad to go to the immigration office. Okay. So in order to, for my dad to walk, you have to grab him because sure. he has a hard time to walk by himself. So my brother, Badr, and Bashir took them to the immigration. And, and this is another tragedy because uh, now my eldest yourself, brother comes to crying. You said,
1: wait. I think I got lost here after you said you have to help him to walk. Can you repeat from there? I think you got lost.
2: Sure. Sure. Because my dad is kind of ha- half paralyzed. So mm-hmm. I mean, he can walk a little bit, but you have to grab him. Yeah. They went, my, my brother, Badr and Bashir, took my dad to the immigration. And when Badr came home, he was crying. And mom kept, mom kept asking what happened. He said that they locked him. What? They locked him at the hajj, which is like a small jail in the, in the immigration. I'm like, my dad is sick, right? Mm-hmm. He needs a medication every, you know, five, or four or five hours. Mm-hmm. So Bashir found another, he found a brother from Egypt and Pakistan inside the jail and told him, can you please give this to my dad? He needs it sure. every four or five hours. So we, they came home and we keep calling my dad's friend to figure out what we need to do. And of course, through a was thought, right? One of my dad's friends go and talk to the, the, the director of immigration. And of course, they let him go, but they give us like, uh, I think a week to leave the country. Wow. Okay, and we had to pay our own money. So they gave us a week. So my dad, my mom, myself, my brother Ismail, my sister Asma, and Abdul Ahmed, all of us had to be deported. The other brothers they had their own kafil. All their kafil are their friends. I see. The Saudi friends. Right? So that's that's what they were able to stay, but all of us had to go. And mind you, I never went to Bangladesh. <laughs> okay. So so we're like all crying, oh no. And it's funny because when you were growing up when we see all this racism in front of us, we used to say, ah, nothing's going to happen to us, mm-hmm. you know? Because we act like them, we talk like them, they're not going to have a... Because no cop can stop us because we're just like them, they, they wouldn't know, mm-hmm. right? Until the day it came, now it happened to us. So that was a wake-up call,
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? That was a wake-up call. So, and I was like, well, I was like crying and sad and whatnot. So one what of my cousin, I have a cousin also living in Saudi, just like us born and raised. So my third cousin, Muhammad, he's like a genius, crazy guy. <laughs> We call him Jesus crazy okay. guy. He, he told me one thing. You see, this is something I'm sharing with you. It's the memories that are never going to go away, right? So he told me one thing. You know what? Why are you whining and, and bickering, man? Didn't you know that the Muslim in Bosnia were getting slaughtered? That was in, uh, I don't know, 95. Yeah, you, you yeah, remember. Yeah. yeah. They were getting raped and getting slaughtered. And at least you have a rope in your head. I said, you know what? you're actually right <laughs> right why i 'm whining and', and, and <laughs> crying for this right mm. at least i 'm breathing right at least i'm my mom and dad here, right so we were deported just like well, that, we took a just like that we went yes he 's sick, and we went to Dhaka first time I <laughs> land. this is another experience we, we were at, <laughs> we took a bengali Bengali airline, so you know we fly with the bengali airline and uh, and soon we land in Bangladesh, Dhaka. This one guy acted like he cares. He wants to help my dad. Mm. So he, he got the, what do you call it, for the, you know, the chair and whatnot. Mm. It turns out he actually used my dad to possibly smuggle something that he oh. wants to put into my dad's lap. And he did that. Once he got it, he left my dad alone in the airport. Whoa. I'm like, I'm like what the heck? What kind of people are these, right? And as soon as we're, we're, we're going through the, the custom and, you know, the immigration to, to go out on the other side, because we did not know how to speak Bengali and me and my brother was speaking Arabic, they asked us to give him like a rashwa, bribe to let, to let us out. Oh, I see. Or they're gonna open all, yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> so my brother Ismail had a gift from his uh, friend's dad. It was like a hundred real, he had to give it to the guy yes, yes. to let us out, right? And as soon as we go outside the airport, it's so humid, it's so hot and never in my life I've seen so many poor people, <laughs> right? Mm. I was like, what the heck, right? And then, alhamdulillah, from my, my mom's side, my uh, uncle, we call him Khalu, right? Khalu Abdul Qayyum, mashallah, amazing, amazing guy. Mm. Came, rented a small one of these, uh, like, you know how these Japanese, like a uh, mini van, small one, right? Okay. He, yeah, he rented that, we put all, all our stuff. We went to this bus station that looks like a small room. And we sat at that bus station from 11 a.m. in the morning to 6 p.m.
1: Why is that? Wait, so long. Uh,
2: just waiting. Just waiting for another bus to come in
1: wow okay
2: it was it was wow i'm, I'm going through the experience i'm like <laughs> like wow this is cool right it's like not cool but i was like ah right <laughs> the, <laughs> the bus comes in we go inside of course you know, the, the, the two relatives are helping us and we go start to Chittagong for i don't know how several hours and but i think it was 4 a.m when we got there it was a village everything was dark. I can see this amazing, you know, those insects with the lights. I don't know what you call it. Oh,
1: yeah. It up at night, right? Yeah, they're like
2: everywhere. And it's like far, and it's the village. And we go to this, my, my, uh, we call it Nani, my my mom's mom, my grandma. I haven't seen her in my whole entire life. Now I see her, right? So there's no electricity, right? So the house made of mud, and that's it. So four in the morning, we go and we're tired. We just sleep. And I met three of my khala, also my aunts. And yeah, that was a fun experience in Bangladesh, like really like back in the stone age, you mm-hmm. know? And because we we're so spoiled, my mom's brother bought us like a, basically ordered electricity to be added to the home. Well, otherwise you couldn't and survive, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spoiled Brad, right? For sure. Then we put the electricity and put a TV and we just stayed in the village for three months.
0: If you are an entrepreneur with a product or service for the Muslim market, let's get in touch. We are halal.ad, a marketing agency and ad network for the ever-growing Muslim market. We can help you reach millions of Muslims to grow your business. Visit www.halal.ad for a 30-minute free consultation. Now back to the show.
2: Of course, a lot of superstition there. They bring these weird people that claim, oh, this, this person, he's a healer. He talks to the jinn, <laughs> whatever. <No.
1: laughs> it's so, for your father, isn't I, it?
2: Yeah, for my dad. All he was doing, you know, the black seed oil, he was using the black seed oil and just massaging my dad's hand, that's it. And saying some bunch of gibberish stuff, you know what I mean? So we had fun, even with this catastrophe, we actually tried to have fun just to kind of deal with the situation, sure. you know what I mean? I love the nature, I love the simple environment. A lot of, like I said, superstition and ignorance, you know. Then after three months, we went to Chittagong, the city, and we stayed there for six months, and my dad's health was really getting bad. We were at this apartment that is not even complete yet. I see. It's, It's not even finished, and we're still inside the apartment. That's how the things work in Bangladesh, right? So we stayed for six months, and my mom somehow figured out how to take my dad back by applying for Omra visa. Oh, I see. Okay, that was the only way. Yeah, uh, and I, I'm, I'm not saying this right now, but Allah help us anyway. But she took the Umrah visa. with my dad because my dad's health was getting back. So take the Umrah visa, then my, my brothers will figure out how to take care sure. of whether to change the status and whatnot. The only problem is we didn't have enough money, so I had to stay. Okay. Okay. I told my mom, look you guys just go.
1: When you say we, but at this moment, when you say like, yeah. is it only you or your, your brother and sister? Brothers and sisters?
2: All of them, like my brothers, my sister, okay, my so mom, my dad, all of them. Only your yeah. father can go, or what? No, no, my father, my mom, all of them can go except me because there was not <laughs> enough money. It was a financial situation. But by then, you know what happened? By then, my mind changed actually. By then, I started to hate Saudi. Nice. With a passion, I told my brother, Ismail, and my, and my sister that, you know what? Hey, guys, let's stay here. <laughs> let's stay here, do something because. If, if my dad lived in Saudi for 50 years and they treated him like 50 this.
1: 50 years, huh?
2: Yeah, my, my, yeah for, for a long time. But And they treated him like this. I'm like, what is the karama? What is the dignity? They treated our dad like a dirt. Mm-hmm. I would never go back. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Sure. So my 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 thing changed, even though I love makkah to death, right? But if they treat my dad like this, why would I go? I see. If you live for a long time, and we, we studied, we've seen it every day. We keep saying we'll never happened to us, but it happened to us, right? Mm. But they didn't listen. No, 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 I'll go back. I don't care. Even if they make me work as a canass, which means like a, clean, a street cleaner, I'll still go. I thought, okay, you guys go.
1: Okay, okay. So you <laughs> so, stayed so there?
2: I stayed there because of financial reasons. So everyone went back, and I moved to Dhaka, where my Dutch friends lived there. Okay. So, I so when we you are
1: home. on your own?
2: Yes, on my own. Don't know how to speak proper Bangla, right? Okay. I just made this decision, okay? Because I, because I mean, you, you father, man. So I how can, old were you, you?
1: How old were you at this time? I
2: believe I was because it was a high school. That was the year of, I think seventeen or eighteen, around around that age. Okay, yeah. On your okay, own. yeah. It's so I stayed. age actually to be. Yeah, I stayed, and after one week, my mom, Alhamdulillah my father sent me the money, and I go to Saudi mbc right? Let me go to join my family. But here's the problem: the guy on the front counter was asking me oh you're going to Umrah? who are you going with
1: hmm.
2: you cannot go by yourself i'm like oh shoot i cannot oh. say
1: why, why can't you go on your own
2: i, I don't because know that, that time was asking me he said i have to have a, somebody with me like another elder another somebody right uh, Then then was asking me even if you go by yourself what are you going to say so i was afraid if i tell them where i'm going i don't want my family to get deported again of course of course so i told my mom i'm sorry mom can't come <laughs> somehow <laughs>
1: somehow you feel relieved like you don't want to go back i guess
2: Therefore, I, because i don't want my dad and mom to suffer makes it, i don't i, I mean, my dad this this person that took care of us man in fact when he was sick one day i was sitting in one of the living room and he comes in slowly at night, 3 in the morning and he just slowly goes down on the floor and lay down and look look at me you know, from the side like sleeping from the side like he's taking a nap he looks at me then he tells me in tawal wallahi when he said that i cried what what did he What does it mean? That that you're a good son. Oh. Yeah. So, so 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 that's why from that day, you know what? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something. You know what I mean? So I mean, he said that. And, he said, and he's like like when he's sick, something you can't understand him, but when he said that, man, it touched my heart. Because in Saudi, Arabia, my dad was like an alpha guy. He comes home, everyone's scared, <laughs> right? Hide. You know what I mean? He was like a boss. And one day he bought me this BMX because my brother had a bicycle from his cousins. I didn't have one. And I didn't ask my dad, but he bought me this BMX. And I, of course, my dad loved me, but he, but, but I think in that culture they don't show it that much. You know what I mean? Sure. It's like a so, macho,
1: macho culture, isn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah. So I, I love my dad. He was like a really <laughs> macho guy. Even with others, stuff, I used to see him how he, you know, when he every Thursday when he goes with his friend play, you know, cards and smoke shisha and how he hits them and beat them and it was like a boss, right? Hmm. But when he said that to me, Achi, Wallah it it, it, it it touched my heart, man. It was like wow, you know.
1: So, you see, so, after he gets sick, after thought you were... Was it in Saudi or was it was in Bangladesh? So, it what happened when, when
2: they went back, when, when my mom, of course, they went back. That was, you know, in, it was 2000, no, 1990, 1996 when they went back. But then my dad passed away in 90. Passed away in 98, buried in Mecca, and before he passed away, he was calling my name. And I couldn't go see him because I'm in Bangladesh.
1: Oh, I see.
2: You know? So, that sort of thing in, in, in life changed because my dad, like like, spoiled us and... MashaAllah made everything easy for us. Like we, we live comfortably, mm. right? But now I'm in Bangladesh, right? Stuck in Bangladesh, working at a, at a fast food restaurant called Bilpuri. This is one of my dad's best friends' fast food mm. shop that she opened it. And she said, I need somebody that I trust. You know, from what? Be the cashier. Mm. <laughs> okay. I said, okay. So I worked seven days straight. I didn't take a single day off for three right. years, seven days straight and three years working. And for me to continue my education before my mom left, I don't know how to speak Bengali. I don't know how to write Bengali. I know a little bit of English. I learned English by myself. I taught myself, so I, I joined. I thought initially I thought it was a school, but it's not, it's called English medium. Later on, I found out you can actually go to any teacher's house for like tutoring, take the classes with them and take the exam at the British council. It's called O level and A level, right? So I took Arabic, I took physics and math and biology I think, but the English level is like me, going to China and, and learning classical Chinese, <laughs> mm, okay? So the way I was studying, it was like, oh, I was struggling. So I was working full-time and studying. So my, my lifestyle was like this. So I wake up at Fajr, get ready, walk to my English teacher, Araf Islam, that's her name. I walk at eight. By the time at her, at her place, it's almost nine o'clock. I sit mm. with her for an hour and a half. When I'm done, I walk to my chemistry teacher, Sadiq Sir. I go to his house, study with him for an hour, an hour and a half, then go back to Puri, which is a fast food restaurant, like around 11, 11 30. Stay there, work there till six. Go to my physics teacher. She was actually my relative. She taught mm. physics and math. And I stayed there till eight. Then go back to the shop and close it by 12 and go back walking.
1: How long did it go on? Three years? Three years. Look, three years every day. You're working for Fajr. Yeah. Do you, yeah. you, yeah. you, yeah. yeah. you go to English? Do you go walking? Do you go to another school? <laughs>
2: When you go to study.
1: work, you go into yes. physics. Like, yep. But why are you going to a teacher's house to learn that? Well, oh, because, because
2: the because the school there's no point for the school.
1: Oh, you don't have to go to the
2: school. Like, I can just go to the teacher. they oh. will teach me everything and take Short the cut. exam. With the, yes, and take the exam because there's no because if I go to the school, I have to sit there like for two or three years. I don't know. And and it's much cheaper actually to pay the teacher and not pay the school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And everyone That's does right. it. I'm like, wow, everyone does this for all level. To study at home? <laughs> right? Because nice. you take the exam at the British Council. They don't care where you come from. Mm. So I took the so, first so... exam. Uh-huh. Go ahead.
1: No, no, no. Why? So you, you are doing all of this to pass exam at British Council? Yeah.
2: Your... I forgot to tell you because when I, when I got stuck in Bangladesh, my that. plan was, yeah, my plan was, okay, I'm going to stay here what I'm going to do with my life. Right? Of course. I'm going to help my mom and dad. So again, my dad has a lot of amazing friends that used to come to our house in Omer and Hajj. <laughs> These were like childhood friends right Mm -hmm. i consider them like my family but they're not blood family i call them Mm -hmm. uncle and everything sure so one of my uncle rial salim Allah lot passed away a couple years ago he basically told me listen man you want to help your family you gotta make a lot of money you gotta go to western countries (laughs) right Mm -hmm. i didn't have no intention to go to u.s australia or canada well i had no intention okay Mm -hmm. so while i was studying i was also applying so i applied australia canada and america more than like probably 100 applications Right, <laughs> like, and, like like
1: uh, it's for it's for universities or for a job, for university.
2: And I told them my story. I have oh. my personal statement of what happened to me and why I want to go there to pursue my education. And five hundred
1: right? <laughs> of them. <laughs>
2: well, it was total hundred, you know. Okay, good, like good, all good. together, like you know, in 40 here and also. So alhamdulillah thirty. There were like ten, I think ten from Canada. I don't know, four or five from Australia, and I think twenty from US that accepted. Then you had to pick which one you want to go with, oh, right? Nice. So I picked one in Nebraska. Again, I don't know how America looks like. Once I got the F1 paper, now you have to go to the American Embassy. So with the mm. American Embassy, here's another story. I've been at the embassy for almost like, almost like four months or six months. I go there every morning at 4 a.m. in the morning. 3 to 4 in the morning, I go there and I wait in line. By 9 4 a.m.? O'clock, <laughs> yes, by 9 o'clock, the embassy opens. You get inside. If you're lucky,
1: they're going to interview you. So I did this for several months. It was very exhausting, man. So, Look, why yeah. on earth do you go there for four months? Only for one interview? Yeah, because it, it's a line. If you don't get the, if you don't get in, you missed it. So you have to there's no numbering system, there's no like n- like n- number, n- n-
2: number when you go inside, then they give it a number. All <laughs> right, But when outside you get it, that's a whole line. Everyone wants to come to America, right? It's oh, a huge man. line. So I did man, it for several we months. To,
1: we have to tell this story again. So I just I just put <laughs> it right my look, three years you had this exactly like really tough regime, you're working to this job learning yourself, and another four or five months just going to the embassy to get one Mm -hmm. interview, 4am in the morning
2: yep, just to wait I remember those days, like a a mansoon rainy season, you know all this line, you know, some chai on the corner of the street, (laughs) right it's a good Mm -hmm. memories, but you have to struggle, because I understood that by the grace of Allah, you have to take action and do Mm -hmm. just do it you know, don't worry about anything else. So that tough life taught me a lot of things. You know what I mean? And I, I'm grateful to Allah for that. So, okay. so that was like my, <laughs> my, my... And it's funny because, alhamdulillah, when I got the visa and everything, then I went back to Mecca for a few days, you know, just to visit my family, then head to U.S. And my whole, my whole objective was what? I'm going to U.S. so I can get a degree. When I get that degree, I can support my, my family. Sure. That was the whole thing. But plan changes. A lot of things change because that's why I tell people like sometimes you make a plan, but if it's not written for you, it's not going to happen no matter what.
1: Sure, sure,
2: right. So, so to make it short, so this is the struggle. Alhamdulillah, and by the grace of Allah, when I was in bondage for three months, it is not easy to live in a comfortable lifestyle and go to a country that is totally different. Not that way it is not easy, made, yeah, not used to it. But Alhamdulillah, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. That's why I love to make this dua. You know, uh, Allahumma um, يحبك, right? Allah blessing with those who. Love you and those who love you, right? Mm-hmm. When I was going to these classes, I built a friendship with these guys. You know what I mean? So we used to hang out with them too sometimes, like in the weekend. You know what I mean? So I, I still feel like I'm not totally alone. You
1: know what mm-hmm. I mean?
2: So we had a good time. And when I, when I left Bangladesh, I didn't tell nobody that I'm going to America except my friend the day that I left.
1: <laughs> I see, I see, I see.
2: And they, because, you know, there's a lot of hassle in Bangladesh. But people just don't want the good for you. And I half see. of my family also like poor and stuff like that, you know what I mean. I see, see. So the day I left, I said, salama, I'm out."
1: <laughs> I see. But
2: my friends knew, my friends knew, my my dad's friends knew, because I had to work for it, you know. Sure. So so and and. So yeah, you end up I'm in the... Nebraska then? Blair, Nebraska, yeah, <laughs> by the <Okay>.
1: cornfield.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because I, I went. I was in New York. I came. I was in New York. I'm like a FOB, fresh off boat, right? Don't know what the heck is going on. And mm-hmm. I see this Egyptian brother, like he's for the security. Oh, look, Egyptians speak to an Arabic right away and then go out. Then one of my dad's friend's son lives in New York. He's supposed to come pick me up, but I guess he forgot or was tired. I think... So I asked the security guy, how can I call these guys? So I told him the security guy, hey, can, I, can you give me like a quarter or something? I'm kind of want to call my relative. So this police gave me a quarter and I used the phone booth and called my relative. Alhamdulillah, picked it up quickly. He told me, man, I can't come because I'm at work why don't you take a cab? Oh, cool. I go outside the airport, raise my hand, there's a cab, right? Mm-hmm. Sit in the, inside the cab and go straight to his place. Mm-hmm. And I sit with him and around four o'clock he comes from his office and then he takes me to like Manhattan and the Bronx and some, all, he wants to show me all the haram stuff. I saw stuff that like, you know, prostitutes in the corner uh, oh, throw God. up here and whatnot. And a lot of other stuff that I uh, probably don't no have to mention it. <laughs> okay.
1: That was the first well, what was what's going on in his mind? Like, well, he also stuff. he
2: also like took me to bars. <laughs> okay. Yes. And it was funny because I was the only one at drinking. So all his friends are laughing. Oh, he, this guy doesn't drink. Yeah, he's just from Mecca. Oh, okay. Even the bartender, he, he's on the house, give me a sprite, <laughs> something yes, like that. Yes, yes, I'm yes. like, wow, I'm like getting exposed. Why this guy's doing this to me? Anyway. The next day. I flew to Illinois because my dad's best friend, my uncle, I, I call him my uncle, he was visiting his, his, his son. I stayed with him in Illinois for one day. Then the third day, I went to Nebraska. I see, I see. Yeah. So, what,
1: yeah. were studying, Nebraska, what were you studying at Nebraska? What you?
2: Studying? I was majoring in business, majoring in uh-huh. business, and minor in computer science.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, Did you so like when you went to your ne- study there? <laughs> Wallahi, I quit. <laughs> okay,
2: then I'll find out something else. Life okay. is a full okay. of lessons, man. Especially yeah. if you guy who would like to take action. So sure. when I went to the college, the administration, all of them were looking at me like, who are you? I'm like, oh, I'm such and such. I'm like, oh, shoot, we're supposed to pick you from the airport. How did you come here? This is the first time in the history of the Denner College somebody comes straight from the airport to our office.
1: I had my uncle's, uncle's <laughs> network. <laughs>
2: yeah. So it was, alhamdulillah, in college, of course, I was exposed to a lot of stuff, right? Uh, I, what I found out later on, college wasn't really the thing for me when i used to ask a lot of students why you're here most of them don't know why they're there but i did enjoy the time to spend time with teachers like i used to go to their office have a conversation about different things religion politics life stuff like that Mm -hmm. but later on i found there's no values in 2002 actually quit school and moved Mm -hmm. to san antonio texas
1: san antonio texas right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so how on earth where does it come from why not california why not why not san francisco but
2: excellent. question. Well, I came here because I got married. Ah, <laughs> I found an opportunity. So okay. I, got, I said, you know what? I told my mom, Mom, nobody's in our family are married. Even even right now, my eldest brothers my eldest brother's like fifty or fifty one uh-huh. and my youngest brother's thirty, and none of them are married. Due no, to well, the until now? Until now, due to the Saudi situation and whatnot, then none of them are married.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's crazy, right? Yeah. So, so, when I, so in 2002, before I moved from from Nebraska to San Antonio, I asked my mom, you know, you always take your parents' blessing. That is not there. Sure.
1: It's like, so I have to ask for a blessing. Yeah, yeah. There.
2: So I asked her blessing. She said, you know what? You know what? You've done so many things in your life. <laughs> you don't need my permission. But if she's a good sister, sure. go ahead. You got my blessing. And Allah, you know? I said, Okay. okay. So I I moved to San Antonio, you know, I got married ever since I've been living here since 2002, but I got divorced in 2015. So that's a sad story too. (laughs) That'd be something, yeah, that'd be be something. I have a daughter, she's 14, Amira, and my son, mm -hmm. Muhammad is 12. So uh, he's a special need child. So yeah, so the the rest like this, when I came to San Antonio, I decided to continue the college maybe here, but instead of that, I sought to work, support my new family. And at the same time, I started to hang out with amazing friend like Baba Ali. I knew Baba Ali when I was exact, in college. Actually, man. I knew him when I was in college <laughs> back when I, when I used to do a lot of other projects. That's how I met him. He was
1: yeah. he was also in Texas. I didn't know. No, that. no, he
2: was in California, but I knew him online. So I knew about him oh, yeah. back when I was in college. Let's say I knew him around 2000. So I, I was.
1: He was not Baba Ali then. He was something Ali. else. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, yeah. he was working <laughs> a
2: different project, like Muslim basketball project you know, this okay. this rap project, all Islamic stuff, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got okay. to know him. Then I started to help him be like a supporter, right? Then, yeah. subhanallah, uh, it's funny because remember, look, I, I've known him since 2002, right? But yeah. the first time we met was in 2006. <laughs> and we were like, like wow, it's like we know each other. <laughs> and we became the best friend. Yeah. So he taught me yeah. a lot of okay. stuff about, you know, business ideas and stuff like that. So then yeah. I started to hang out with Business minded people. Well, I was doing a full time job, but I was also doing something on the side in order to okay. support the family. So, when he started the Ummah film back in the day, the social media stuff, I got into it. I got into all the marketing. I, I fell in love with it. And that's how mm-hmm. my own digital marketing business starts from there because that was an inspiration. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, that was inspiration. And later on, uh, his best friend, the Nadir al Mujahid, if ever you know Nadir al Mujahid,
1: yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I think we also interviewed him. He's, we're going to share one of his episodes. Awesome. He's a Muslim yeah. So he's
2: all. also one of my mentors. So Ali was that's like the cool nice cool. diplomatic guy, <laughs> right? And mm. Nadir was like, I'm going to slap you in the face. <laughs> kind of guy. <laughs> and that's how he was.
0: Do you struggle with deen and dunya balance in your life? Meet salam.app a Muslim social network where your ego, nafs, is not in the center. It is a place to feed your soul with daily inspiration, to make new Muslim friends and connect with Ummah. Visit www.salam.app and download free for your iPhone or Android.
2: Like, he knew my weaknesses. He knew how to push me mm-hmm. and knew how to, you know, push that button to, to make you get pissed off. At the center, you'll say, you know what? Well, you're right. So, so mm-hmm. both of them helped me in that sense. And the rest, I just, alhamdulillah, by myself, by making a mistake, learning, surrounding That's myself right. with, the, with, with the business-minded people and whatnot.
1: So tell me, tell me what you do now. This what, are, what are you up to these days? So right now, I own a,
2: a digital marketing company called OnlineBusinessOwners.org. So I provide mm-hmm. services in, you know, like branding, building sites, mm-hmm. SEO, social mm-hmm. media ads, but I also train true. and coach. And, and it's, yeah, cool. it's amazing because when I was young, I always wanted to be a teacher. Okay. Uh-huh. So it's like my dream come true. Not exactly according to the society standard, but now I teach. In fact, I even teach at universities. So teachers invite me cool. to teach to their students, not official, but I'm still teaching them. Right. Awesome. On Entrepreneurship and digital marketing and whatnot. So that's what I do. As well.
1: I mean that's awesome That's I think something also we do as well so, so here's the thing I mean if you look back today You enjoy what you do yes. today don't you
2: Alhamdulillah, so, Alhamdulillah. Because life, life you know, Akhi, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is amazing Okay, Life will hit you So many times to a point That you have to just embrace it And there are not yeah. too many people like that So it's hard for me even sometimes to explain to them I can tell them this is how I am Because this is what keeps me going I'm breathing I'm grateful to Allah mm. for every small thing of course, sometimes pain is something like not easy to bear, right? Mm-hmm. But eventually, you know, Allah Subhanahu will make it better. Even if he doesn't make it better, so what? This dunya is temporary. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. So Alhamdulillah, you always got to smile, man. You know, you always got to smile.
1: Absolutely. I mean, well, I mean, if you look back like today, where you're today, so like what makes you think that helped you like find you what you really care? What was the one common theme would you say? That helped you find where you are today? I would say,
2: I, I would say, is by the grace of Allah, first. And secondly, because of my mom and dad. My mom was that person, the compassionate, that showed a lot of care. And she passed away this year. Mm. And uh, that's oh, why I have to go see me. her before. Alhamdulillah, the one good thing about that, that my mom, my dad, my grandma, my brother, they're all in Makaburi. Okay, so they're lucky. So, and also my dad. I mean, my dad, even with his alphaness, I mean, he did care about a lot of people. He used to send money back home, he used to care. That was part of his, his, his character. Like all his friends that used to come to Makkah, he always used to invite them to come to our house, whether it's for Umrah or Hajj. So I saw mm. that in my mom and dad. You know what I mean? So I do want to carry that because, you know, when the parents leave, a righteous son will pray for their parents or whatever, mm. whatever my mom and dad, you know, raised me on. I want that hasanah to be passed on them. Makes sense? Mm. So that's what keeps me, man. Keeps me moving. That's one of the reasons. See,
1: you know, that's one of the reasons. I see. I see. So here's one of the questions which you'll ask towards the end of the interview. So look, here's the question. So like, how do you keep, like, I know you, you do this is business business. Yeah. So how do you keep the balance between dunya and, 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 and dean?
2: How to keep the balance between the dunya and the business? Well,
1: the, the dunya and the dean, I would say, dunya and the, the business. I, I, I look at the dunya and the business as the same thing. <laughs> well,
2: the, the, so, yeah, because the business the dunya and the business part of the dean. Oh, yeah, if yeah. you live the deen everything is part of it because the way exactly. i think the way i think everything in the dunya is secondary life relationship business everything is secondary because the primary purpose in our life you know this right we pray the yep. Yep. that's that's our duty in this life to worship allah right or to make sure that his law is implemented right that's the primary thing mm-hmm. everything else is just secondary and sometime and again i'm not a perfect human being Sometimes we do struggle like when you like over the years, I would say a decade ago, when I was, mashallah, doing good in the business, I was doing so good that to a point that I actually, I wouldn't say neglected, but I kind of reduced my time with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What I mean by that? I just paid the five the times salah. I stopped doing some of the nawafil, some of the sunan. You know what I mean? I mean I'm still making the main stuff, but I'm not indulging in ibadah more like I used to. And, and that, kind, that kind of was like a wake-up call too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Sometimes you don't want the dunya to overtake you Because it's very easy
1: exactly. It's very easy
2: Because exactly. because nowadays I mean, you get bombarded from this stuff From dunya thing From Muslim and non-Muslim From, from everywhere So you have to mm-hmm. constantly make dhikr, constantly ask Allah to help you To keep you in the right path You know <speaking in Spanish> Right? It's very important mm-hmm. And I, I, that's why I thank Allah so much, man I'm not... Saying that I'm better than anybody else But I'm still thanking Allah for small things too Alhamdulillah I'm able to breathe Alhamdulillah I'm able to make the Salah Alhamdulillah I'm doing whatever I can in my best If if I miss Salah one day I I get like anxiety You know what I mean? I said, oh Allah, why did I miss the Fajr today? Please help me out You know, make make Mm. me not lose it again Forgive me, stuff like that, right? So it has to be part of you, man I mean, the way you are that, That attitude must be carried everywhere Whether it's in business How we deal with others and I'm a kind of guy that I'm like, well, how should I say this? I'm very direct. So sometimes I do piss off people, but I don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it is what it is. You have to be like this, you know, and constantly learn, constantly read, constantly, again, surround with, 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 the, with, the, with the good people. Wallahi, the hadith, when he talked about the, the blacksmith, right, it's so true. And you hang out with the righteous people. If you're strong, you're going to rub off their good energy. If, if you're with the bad people If you're not strong You're going to get rubbed off from them too Right? Absolutely. Same thing in business Same thing in life Right? If you want to be successful in relationship Hang with somebody who are successful <laughs>
1: Right? It's, it's true, man Absolutely, so, so, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the fact that uh, your environment Does have a uh, friends friends environment Is an uh, impact on you If you yes. want it or not that's, that's reality Yeah, absolutely,
2: man Absolutely I see you know? But that, that, I see. That's, that's what keep me going man. I mean, Alhamdulillah, again I mean, we, we breathe every second we have to thank Allah, you know, so much, even for Absolutely. that. And sometimes what happened to us, we, we won the dunya so much. I'm like, man, just, just be a minimalist. You know, what's the point? <laughs> what's the point of having all these? I mean, of course, you can enjoy yeah. it. If I'm a, a, a rabbika I've had the deal, enjoy it. But but try to have that balance, You know, it, it's very, very yeah. important. It's not easy. I'm not saying anybody can do it. But it, it's something maybe your parents will pray for you. Or you have to just constantly remind yourself. Absolutely.
1: Thanks. Thanks for the sharing the story. I was... I mean, there's quite a few things I didn't know myself. It was incredible. I mean, I don't know the day, I look at your life, let's say, man, well, man like waking up at 4 a.m. to go to or 1 meeting for three or four months, man, that's resistance. Alhamd- you know, yeah, man. That's resistance, I guess. MashaAllah, I mean...
2: It, it, you know what I, I think? It's all about having that sabr. Well, first of all, understand that Allah is there for you. And yeah. just understand that. That he's there for you. It might have happened to you. It might have happened to him. But he's there for you. I mean, he's the creator of the whole universe. What, you, you have to be so grateful and happy that, oh, I believe in Allah, the haqq. Right? I believe in the deen that is true. Right? What, what is a mm. better gift than that? You know what I mean? So mm. believe in that first. And secondly, have sabr and be consistent. Because sometimes, just because you work hard doesn't mean you're going to get it. And when Allah blesses somebody else, make dua for them. Because mm. the, cent- the, 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 the the millisecond of jealousy is dangerous. You know what I mean? Because in my business, I, my business is like oversaturated. Sometimes I look at all these other businesses, like, like they do what I do. And I'm like, SubhanAllah, mm-hmm. you know what, Allah? I need to just stop thinking about them and just focus on myself. Sure. Because the risks come from him and nobody else. No. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Seriously, nobody else. So it doesn't matter what excuses they, they throw at you. Just focus on yourself. Do the best in what you can in your field. And the rest leave it to Allah. This is something that Alhamdulillah, we Muslim hopefully can understand. But now when the non-Muslim asks me, <laughs> right, I use a similar analogy and mashallah, they do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And they follow yeah. it. And mashallah, they do good. Again, in Allah, he provide to anybody without their deeds, you know.
1: Absolutely. So, bro, thank you very much for, for, for your time, for being here. So as, as a parting note, like, uh, where would you like to direct users if they want to hang out or contact you or reach out to for advice anything you know okay i'll, I'll well, just
2: connect with me on facebook <laughs> look up for my name okay you're not gonna miss it okay. if you want to know about my company just check out onlinebusinessowners.org i do daily facebook live where i answer questions and you know educate.
1: You know, daily facebook live that's crazy yeah. and okay. I, not I just that
2: here, here in san antonio i started i started a meetup called san antonio online marketing group and i also manage wordpress mm-hmm. group so, cool. I usually do like 10 workshop and one seminar per month to, to help wow. the small business and startup. You
1: know? That's amazing. That's amazing. You know what, what I think you're thinking is that, you know what, maybe we'll let's let's go because I don't want to make this podcast long, but a lot of ideas we can work together. But, hey, How far, too, man? Said that, oh, cool. So, having said that, we're going to say, Assalamu alaikum Yusuf, and hopefully we'll uh, see you on the show uh, sometime soon Inshallah. in another episode Inshallah. to share the more depths on other parts of Inshallah. the story. Inshallah,
2: talent, jazakAllah khair. I'll be appreciative, and now I can officially say your podcast has been Yusuf approved.
1: <laughs> That's cool, <laughs> man. That's what you want Yusuf, yes, sir.
0: <laughs> Dear listener, based on many requests from our listeners, we are launching a Muslims on Fire Academy. It's for those who want to do more than just listening. It's for those who not only want to be inspired, but to be one of the Muslims on Fire as well. It's for those who want to discover their purpose in life, follow their dreams, and live in prosperity. If this is you, join us for a journey of a lifetime. The introduction course is free. Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com For show notes and questions for episodes, please visit www.muslimsonfire.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like our show, please rate, share with friends, and leave a review. With your help, it will enable us to reach more people and change their lives for the better. Stay tuned. Until next time, Assalamu Alaikum.